When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This is George Newbern, the voice of Superman. This is Kevin Conroy, the voice of Batman. And you're listening to the DCAU Review, hosted by Cal and Liam. Streaming at DCAUReview.com and on your favorite podcast app. You're listening to the DCAU Review, hosted by Cal and Liam. Streaming on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, and at DCAUReview.com. Now... Here's today's episode. Welcome, everybody, to episode number 102 of the DCAU Review. I am one of your hosts, Cal, and with me is my good brother and the gentleman that runs our Twitter page. That's right, it's Liam. Liam, episode 102 is here, and we are continuing with Justice League Unlimited. Welcome to episode 102, bud. Yeah, we're uh, we're rolling right along now that we've... uh finally joined into the JLU portion of our programs. Of course, we reviewed the pilot episode last week, Initiation, and we're rolling right along with another uh, early episode in the first season, Justly Unlimited, with uh, the one we've got today, which is, of course, for the man who has everything. Yeah, this is an interesting episode because it's another one of those stories that uh, was adapted from a comic book. Uh, so we'll talk about that in a little bit when we get into the plot, of course. Uh, also, Liam, but you you did mention so we we did uh, we did get a chance to start talking about Justice League Unlimited last week uh, with our special correspondent James from DCAU Watchtower. Uh, you can definitely go back and hear that episode in the archives at DCAUReview.com or wherever you hear your your podcasts. Uh, we covered Initiation last week, which was the first episode of Justice League Unlimited, which talked about an expanded roster. We had, you know, 50-some superheroes or 60-some superheroes or whatever it is now that the Justice League roster is expanded to. Uh, but ironically, episode number two, we whittle it back down to the original <laughs> DC Trinity, that being Batman, Superman, and Wonder Woman. Yeah, and it, I think that's really interesting, and it sets a tone uh, for the series. It kind of shows you, I think, that the series can kind of go in whatever direction it wants now. It can do these big, grand stories with uh, you know tons and dozens and dozens of heroes and big time battles, and and then you can you but you still have the ability when they wanted to 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 go and tell these sort of smaller stories that focus on just uh you know two or three of the characters so I, I like that they kind of go go from a big time you know potential world ending threat one week to a kind of a smaller story the next i like i like that they have that flexibility yeah absolutely it is it is uh it is interesting and certainly something that would become a bit of a hallmark uh, for this series that you don't need to you don't need to necessarily delve into with such a huge roster you, you can whittle it down to uh, a certain amount of these heroes that every week doesn't need to be a uh, all hands on deck sort of situation uh, so before we jump into our our four categories today uh, as you always do uh, please give us the IMDB synopsis for this week's episode which is for the man who has everything which debuted on the Cartoon Network back on August the 7th 2004 putting us uh coming up on the 16th year anniversary here in august yes and as you mentioned this is for the episode for the man who has everything which is written by jm de mateus adapted from the alan moore and dave gibbons tale directed by dan reba with music by christopher carter michael mcquistian and lolita romanis and that synopsis reads as such Batman and Wonder Woman find Superman immobilized in the Fortress of Solitude by a plant sent by the would-be conqueror Mongol. 
So, hey, I love it. Less spoilers than the uh, title sequence. There. <laughs> <laughs> one thing I did want to mention, we did we did uh, with last week's episode, Liam, one thing that I, I wanted to talk about, and we know it is something that they eventually changed, but something that I found interesting with the the introduction to Justice League Unlimited, and, and we'll get into our, our plot here in a second, but uh, one of the things we did not get to chat about last week is how with the new intro that they did for Justice League Unlimited, uh, in the middle of it, there's so there's a lot of static imagery that they use with the the uh, models, the hand-drawn models from Bruce Tim being used with sort of uh, motion of these these static images, and then they splice in uh, some animation in the middle of it, sort of how the you know the new Batman Superman Adventures intro went, or even the uh, the going back to the Batman and Robin adventures or the Superman, the, the Superman, the animated series intro was, but the difference being that this, uh, the way that they did it for justice league unlimited, they, they, at least initially would put these spoilers basically for the entire episode at the beginning of the episode, which I was reminded uh, this week as we were watching uh, for the man who has everything, uh, how annoyed are you? Were you and are you that this is st- this is still a thing? <laughs> yeah, it's it's very weird because and I don't know if part of this is just because it was like an like they just didn't have a lot of episodes finished, and so because uh, like if you watch the Superman the animated series intro, like all of the clips are from like the first maybe three episodes because that's kind of what they had finished when it was time to make the. <laughs> The title sequence, I guess. Right. And I don't know if it was simply like a cut for t- it was like a time thing, and we're like, well, we had this idea that we're going to intercut the yeah the, the the drawings with the sort of you know clips from episodes, but oh, we don't really have any episodes done yet, so we'll for this first season we'll just like throw in clips from the episode that that it's watching, and they can kind of be edited in later in the process. I don't know. I'm guessing. I don't know that that's why. But that's really the only thing I can make sense of. But even so, they kind of, as you mentioned, uh, especially in an episode like this, which is so you know driven by its narrative, most of the big moments in it are almost kind of, to your point, a little, almost a little bit spoiled. If you're watching this for the first time, you know they show Superman getting, you know, getting the plant off of him and going <laughs> to fight Mongol which is kind of like the central uh, you know, conflict of the episode is Wonder Woman fighting Mongol and Batman trying to get this plant off of Superman. And so to have a lot of those beats kind of, uh, yeah, for lack of a better word, spoiled in the title sequence, I think it can be especially jarring for, for a first-time viewer. Maybe it doesn't matter as much to us now as we've watched these cartoons you know, many times and are just going back to rewatch them, but... Yeah, for a first time viewer especially, I could see that being, you know, kind of a problem. And I'm I'm certainly glad that they changed that for the uh I don't know if it's these this entire this entire first thirteen episodes or if it's just later in the in this and uh, doesn't start until the, the second season there, but man, it's it's, it's definitely jarring. Yeah, and it, it, I think it would be very different if it was a you know, a 42 minute cartoon or a 44 minute cartoon, you know, two episodes that will give you time to forget about those clips that you saw. But these are 21 minutes. So it's not like you have a lot of a lot of right. time to to breathe, so to speak, in between the time they show these clips and then than the episode itself. But um, yeah, maybe maybe they're just hoping that because this was designed for children to watch, uh, or even if it was TVY7, that they would they would just be, oh, wow, Superman, and then forget about what happened. So <laughs> I, I don't know. Anyway, uh, yeah, as you said, and as we already alluded to, uh, now we talked about this before we went on the air. Uh, this is based on a comic book. Now, you mentioned that you had read this before uh, before we went on the air. Uh, any differences or any main differences between the actual original comic book and uh, the animated storytelling? Yeah, the two biggest ones are that uh, Robin, uh, the specifically the Jason Todd Robin, uh, accompanies Batman and Wonder Woman to the Fortress in the comic book adaptation, which was Superman Annual number 11, if you, uh, if you want to look it up. Uh, perhaps on the DC Universe app, which is a great deal. 
<laughs> and we'd love to be paid to shill it uh, at some point down the line. Absolutely. Please, DC, uh, <laughs> for, for anything. We're the, we're probably the only two people still subscribing to your service. So <laughs> please just pay us t- uh, to, to shill this. Please. But uh, anyway, uh, yeah, that, that, other than uh, Robin's presence, uh, the only other big difference is in the sort of, I guess for lack of a better term, dream sequence that Superman is having as he's, as this strange alien plant attaches to your body and makes you see sort of your heart's desire. Um, and uh, the only difference there is in the, in the episode, as we'll get into as we delve more deeply into plot, is it's really kind of a perfect world um for superman in the in the episode but whereas in the book it's the cracks are kind of showing a little bit in his in his dream world uh you know his his mother is dead and his father is kind of this disgrace Jorel is this disgrace scientist who's kind of joined up with these political extremists and there's a you know a lot of political violence and anger and, and sort of turmoil on krypton that's still uh, you know, permeating, even though the planet didn't blow up, it's still kind of not a, a perfect place. And, um, but, uh, the most, for the most part, with the exception of those two elements, it is a, a very faithful adaptation and you know, it has to have at least been okay because unlike say the live action Watchmen movie, Alan Moore allowed, allowed his name to be featured in the credits of this <laughs> cartoon. So he must've given it at least, you know, the one thumb up. <laughs> yeah, we could do an entire podcast about like just the sort of caricature that Alan Moore has become and say nothing about the man has clearly written so many great stories, um, oh, yeah. you know, huge, uh, like just absolutely monumentally huge graphic novels that are just tent poles as far as comic books are concerned um, from Watchmen, as you already mentioned, and V for Vendetta and um countless others obviously but yeah he's uh he's not too much a fan of his uh his stories being turned into into uh into uh movie properties or basically redone or made money off of any these days but uh clearly brilliant guy but yeah cool cool to see his name at least given credit on here and he was okay with it they did did not stray too far from the story itself but yeah liam uh as as you mentioned uh this is a very interesting story because it's a little bit it has some sort of shades of um of the perchance to dream uh story um you know the 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 episode that we covered in the archives um, at DCAUreview.com, by the way, where we learned uh, when Batman basically went through and figured out what would have happened if his parents had never died. Yeah, it's a it's a very similar thing, and uh, I think we even talked about that a little bit back when we did review that episode. But uh, it's it's sort of that same thing. It's a little bit different, obviously, because and I and look. Like I said, the reason I think it works a little better in the uh, the animated adaptation here is because this really is Clark's Clark Kent Superman's perfect world. His wife is sort of an amalgam of his two great loves, uh, you know, Lana Lang, his you know high school sweetheart, and and Lois Lane. And he you know he's got like this great son, and uh, he lives on a farm on Krypton. Um, you know, his, you know, his father is still in his life and and all, it's sort of this perfect life for him. Um, and so when he sort of begins to see the cracks and that's sort of represented in the story by, he keeps feeling these earthquakes. Um, he really, you know, he kind of tries to ignore it at first and then it, it keeps getting worse until he finally has to make the decision Similarly to how Bruce Wayne in, in Perchance to Dream has to make that decision at the end, whereas, uh, you know, for Bruce in the end, it's it's sort of more of a move of defiance to break free of this of this uh, dream that he's in um, as he, you know, he would rather he'd rather die fighting than, you know, than continue to live a lie. And Superman, it's it's really quite, uh, you know, it's it's quite sorrowful for him when he has to leave this world because it's and he, and he says that to to his son uh you know this is this is everything he ever wanted 
but he has responsibilities and he has to go back. And it, it really, to me, it really works so well in this story because it, it's one of those things that gets to the heart of, of who Superman is, of that even though he could live perfectly in this life where he doesn't have powers, where he doesn't have the weight of the world or the weight of all worlds on his shoulders, he knows in the back of his mind that it wouldn't be real and that it wouldn't be, it wouldn't be, and it wouldn't be responsible. And so he says, I have responsibilities. I have to go. And that to me, it really just get this episode really just gets to the core of, I think, who Superman is. Well, and, and you're, I think you're spot on with that because there's even a line that Mongol has. Who, of course, you know, we learned that Mongol is the is the mastermind behind all of this. Who's back um, now? We we have not covered War World, uh, which is the Justice League episode uh, from season one where they have their first interaction. But there is certainly allusions to that episode here, where um, you know, obviously Superman. Uh, sort of handed him his tail, so to speak, uh, in that episode. But, um, it, you know, it's it's funny. Once there's a conversation that happens between Mongol and and Batman, once Batman discovers that Mongol is there waiting for them, and um, he Mongol speculates as to what Superman's, you know, fantasy would be and thinking that he would be ruling the world, you know, and with, with peasants underneath his feet, sort of a totalitarian Superman-esque, you know, probably a Red yeah. Sun-esque story going through his head and the irony being that it's not anything like that he's not a leader he's still on a farm it's it's a kryptonian farm wheat farm (laughs) um with with a with a girl who's a hybrid of lois and lana lois lane and lana lang um with his son and you know still having a conversation you know still having a conversation with his biological father and, and relationship with him and um you know, he even talks, you know, his his son in this this fantasy even talks about how, um, or I think he has a conversation about how the city is nice, but he prefers, you know, the the quiet the quiet of the farm yeah. and 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 uh, so yeah, it it really does get to the heart of who Su- Superman is. Superman, regardless of whether this is his his fantasy or whatever, his heart is still he's inherently good. Yeah. And, uh, you know, sort of the, the, the other conflict is the literal conflict throughout the episode is, as we mentioned, Batman's trying to get the plant off of, off of Superman and, and Wonder Woman, boy, Wonder Woman sure has a rough time of it in this episode. She is, Man. Uh, and it's funny, we talked about, I think back when we were reviewing the very early episodes of Batman, the animated series, how it was pretty rare to even see like a Batman land a punch without Mm -hmm. a cut or without it being like you know the guy ducks and then runs into something or something like that or he just ties him up or whatever and Mm -hmm. we're just seeing mongol just beat the tar out of wonder woman for like a good majority of this episode well that's Um, what happens when you move to cable and you can be tv (laughs) y7 liam you're allowed to show so violence against female superheroes and guys face getting bashed in we'll talk all about that in in visuals in just a moment but yeah, I, I concur. It's it's interesting that she she this isn't a case where they put Batman up against the the wildly much stronger behemoth and allow him to use his brain to defeat him. Um, they said, nope, we're not going to do that this time, which I I appreciated. Batman had to figure out his own way to you know he was left to try and free Superman and and Wonder Woman got to step up and have her own moments here, really holding her own with a person that is you know twice or three times her side can can hold her waist in the palm of his hand um as he does in that first scene with mongol and and really has it has a good fight scene able to hold her own for the most part until superman gets free so i appreciated i appreciated getting to see the war the warrior in wonder woman i think so often um in a lot of the episodes she's in she's more of a background character i mean with not not starcross not included that there was a good exhibition of of her powers there but there are some episodes where she's relegated to uh she's going to use her bracelets to to block something and then she'll you know she'll she'll use her lasso to to throw around or give somebody a punch but this was a this was a brutal battle yeah absolutely And, and to your point it's it's also getting a chance to show i think it's always can be interesting to show when you have these so you know the top tier super powered characters like Wonder Woman, like Superman, like what do they do when the chips are down, when they're losing a fight 
do they yeah and seeing that she still has the resolve to keep going and, and to keep fighting um is, is is it's great and i it's it is really interesting to see them kind of split off in that way is you know bat but there's a certain desperation to batman in this episode that i don't think we've really seen a lot in uh, in really any of the shows where he's he's really genuinely concerned that if superman isn't freed that like things are going to go really bad <laughs> And yeah. like, he, he, there's genuine fear in his voice when he when he, when he tells her he's he's gonna kill her and then he'll kill us all. You've got to be the one to come back and stop this. Um, and so it's it it was just it was a really interesting dichotomy to see that to see that you know the determination of Wonder Woman the and sort of the desperation and even a little bit of fear in in Batman and certainly we'll get into that more in uh, in voice acting as well. But uh, yeah, for, for all the reasons and, and for the, you know, like, like we said, sort of the great character study of Superman that it is, uh, I actually gave plot a perfect 10 out of 10. Nice. Uh, yeah, I gave it a, um, I gave it a nine out of 10. I think it's very strong as well. Um, and you know, it's, it's fun to be had my, my only nitpick. And this was the same. I think they did a much better job than perchance to dream. I think we, if you if we go back and listen to that episode, one of the issues that we had was they moved through the, the Bruce Wayne fantasy a a little bit too quickly. Um, you know, he, he sort of accepts his reality and and then quickly turns and realizes that it, it can't be true. Um, yeah. This, you kind of already are dropped right in the middle of Superman accepting that uh, this could be real. I mean, he still has a couple of doubts with the with the tremors, and um, there's clearly some doubt here. But uh, and certainly the impact was a little bit greater when he has to leave it all behind. Um, but man, I. I couldn't help but just wish, you know, with with the Justice League episodes that that 44 minute or 42 minute, whatever it is, runtime that the the first and second seasons of Justice League had. Uh, sometimes I, I think it handicaps or handcuffs these episodes a little bit sometimes. So I really, really would have loved to have seen this as a as a two part or a full episode to get some of that um, that that uh, tension built up there but um that's that's nitpicking which of course we do here on this show so (laughs) yeah (laughs) all right let's move on to uh visuals and animation liam i am chomping at the bit to talk about this before before we go by the way i I did want to give a shout out the fact that they they kept out the they kept in mentions and appearances from crypto the super dog uh, who is part of Superman's fantasy, and uh, they did mention the the lost city of Kandor also uh, in in this as well. So uh, some 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 neat little little Easter eggs there. Yeah, yeah, there's but, some, there's yeah, there's some some great stuff. I love the design as we mentioned this sort of hybrid uh, hybrid planet, the Krypton, the corn as you mentioned the sort of the grain fields on Krypton and. And even the city, it looks a little bit, you know, there's, I feel like there's like the big skyways, like in Metropolis and kind of have that mixed in with the futuristic look of, of Krypton. Um, Some really great work. And there's even some fun little Easter eggs, like in the, in the hall of weapons where Wonder Woman is fighting Mongol. There's a a sun eater, which is sort of this weird device from the, uh, from the comics that can, uh, it's what it sounds like. It basically <laughs> absorbs all the energy of a of a sun. It's kind of this this big thing that uh that uh shows up to to wreak havoc on uh on certain solar systems over the years in DC Comics. So yeah, I thought uh, you know first and foremost, there's a lot of fun visual stuff to talk about, but yeah, a lot of really cool backgrounds. The whole design of that and uh, was really well done. Yeah. So, and I mean, back on the real world, also, of course, this whole this whole fight takes place at the Fortress of Solitude, which I don't know if we've had much to talk about that from a Superman the Animated Series perspective, if we've covered any of those episodes yet. But um, you know, it it adds the visual. We certainly have not talked about the Lobo episode where he, you know, the collector who is the uh, the main baddie for that two part uh, episode. He he's able to to get the zoo together of of all these alien creatures and uh, create a space for them to live in, in the Fortress of Solitude. The, those creatures make uh, some cameos in the background uh, as well. And then uh, of course you have. Um, 
you have uh, some some definitely some some interesting visuals in the fantasy side of things, as you mentioned. We we talked about uh, Kalel's spouse is sort of this hybrid between she she has visuals that look like Lana Lang, but of course is voiced by uh, by somebody else, as we'll talk about in, in vo- the voice actors. Um, I did also notice. So I wanted to ask you with Superman's brown jacket and his blue blue costume i kind of got some havoc from x-men vibes mm. from him he has like a yellow collar yeah. that goes with a blue and a brown jacket i i don't you know i i was trying to piece together what else that could be an homage to um because it seemed very purposeful to me to have that brown jacket with this bright yellow collar uh i'd be interested to know if that was maybe uh that that 90s run of havoc uh if you if you're familiar with from marvel x-men yeah yeah (laughs) Yeah. i figured you'd appreciate that yeah that's pretty good i i I hadn't thought about it that much but yeah that's definitely that's got to be referencing something very specific uh and uh if if it's not that that's still a great uh that's still a great note um, yeah, and of course you get the return of Jor-El also, and we since we are back on Krypton, we have a lot of the same designs that we first saw in that last son of Krypton mm-hmm. uh, character designs and the, the costumes and, and the, the uniforms that they wore with the, the full arm sleeves and the, the square sort of... Um, mm-hmm. uh, accents on the uniforms, the big collared capes that go down the middle of their u- uniforms, the sort of halo headdresses that they yeah. wear. If, um, uh, if I'm not yeah. mistaken, I believe uh, James Tucker designed a lot of that stuff for, for Superman, the animated series, and had, had sort of a directive of uh, we wanted to look alien, but it also can't look like any other Krypton that's ever been seen on TV or film before. So good luck. <laughs> and uh yeah that that i love i love the look of krypton and it was it was very cool to see that brought back in uh in this sort of fantasy sequence and yeah there's there's some really uh obviously we've we talked about it a little bit in plot the the fights in this episode are very very cool. emotional and vicious as we talked about with you know uh, mongol and wonder woman uh, have a really brutal fight and Wonder Woman gets the worst of it uh, most of the time. But even then once, once the Batman takes the black mercy plant off of Superman and it attaches to Batman and Superman kind of snaps awake, we get this sort of panning shot where it spins around and then he flies at kind of full speed towards them. You see, you know, you see the dust flying off the ground as he's flying towards Mongol and, and then they just kind of wreck the place um it's it's just i thought it was as as far as for what we've reviewed so far i thought it was one of the more vicious and like it you really kind of feel those punches especially towards the end there with with uh with superman and mongol yeah it's a it is a absolutely brutal fight i would say with just having covered star crossed a couple weeks ago the final fight uh between uh not hawkman and (laughs) and john stewart is is a pretty vicious violent fight even even when shire gets involved but this one is just fist to face i mean you see see mongol's face just start to swell up like a prize fighter in a fight like Mm -hmm. his face just gets bashed in and you know his his mouth is all sort of wonky and uh certainly very swollen um there's some of the other visuals that i enjoy is you know he has superman by the head and superman shoots him with his heat vision searing his chest like Mm -hmm. that you know mongol cries out and you see this flash of fire shoot across his chest where superman's clearly just burned this guy mm-hmm. uh with his heat vision um there was another there was another cool thing that i saw too so once they finally get the black mercy off of batman and what it comes at wonder woman there's a the, this tongue that comes out of the middle of it and they use it as a transition um to the next scene it, it the tongue like wipes across the screen and then it flashes and it that you know, then you see superman and back to superman and mongol fighting just a really cool visual absolutely um yeah that that there's that great sequence i love the maybe love's the wrong word uh i think it's really <laughs> compelling the the black and white sequence of of bruce uh Bruce young bruce wayne uh, walking down the alley, and at first, of course, he's wrapped up in the Black Mercy plant, and 
so you know this time thomas wayne stops the robber and begins to beat him up and uh you know flashes back to batman and he has the smile on his face um and then it sort of as wonder woman begins to pull the plant off of him you just hear martha wayne screaming bruce's name and then you hear the shots go off and you see the smile slowly fade it's really really uh just really compelling again it's one of those things where if you've read comics or been a fan of batman for any length of time you there's probably a little bit of you anytime you see the kid with the parents going down the alley you kind of almost begin to roll your eyes because you've seen it so many times right but to kind of put that little twist on it where he sort of has this beautiful dream of what if you know what if thomas wayne had been quick enough to stop it all then sort of mid dream it shifts and yeah you know it turns back to reality i thought i thought that was really clever and then right near the end as we're talking about this fight is he's superman's pounding on 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 mongol's face and he's sort of screaming at him uh you know about what he's lost about what he's had to sacrifice to be to be superman and he you know it there's you know, and the, the ceiling is kind of sh- crumbling around him and he looks up and he looks at these statues of Jarrell and Lara and he sort of has his come back to earth moment. And and that sort of allows Mongol to, to take over on him and get the advantage again. Just some really, really clever visuals some really, uh, really impressive uh, panning shots, too, of when he's when he's when. Uh, Superman's talking to his his son and he's kind of kneeling down and, and holding his son's head in his hands and there's kind of the spot where it starts as a like kind of a profile side shot and kind of spins around to where we're looking Superman kind of more directly in in the face and just some really really well done direction uh, especially I wanted to mention I believe I already said it but uh, Dan Reba was the director on this one and just a phenomenal job. Yeah, it's there that that scene itself, if you can go to YouTube and pull up the battle, you know, if you don't, I mean, it's a 22 minute episode. So if you're going to do that, you might as well just watch the full episode <laughs> in, in our opinion. But, um, you know, certainly for the visuals of that scene alone, go find the YouTube clip or, you know, pull up DC Universe and and watch the episode there because um, it's it's that battle sequence is done so well. Like like you said, yeah, the, the back and forth between Mongol and, and Superman is just so 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 good uh totally agree with you by the way this is the first first time we've really seen the actual murder of bruce's parents you know there were allusions to it in batman the animated series a lot you know the the gun we saw the gun go off we saw you know his parents shaking their heads or their heads down or you yeah. know the, the the alleyway turn into the gun in that one dream sequence but we never actually saw the the murder of bruce's parents there and that so so for us to visualize that and see that um was uh was was interesting and you know like you said um done really really well i appreciated the black and white aspect of it too i thought that was a neat neat touch they did with it the the very last thing that i want to mention to visuals before and then you know if you have anything else please feel free to add because there's so so many beautiful things in this episode but um i've been a critic of it for for the last couple weeks that we've talked about uh you know the cgi vehicles that they use in Mm -hmm. um they used them in star cross they used them last week in initiation um but i wanted to give a shout out and kudos to the cgi version of wonder woman's invisible plane in this episode because i actually think (laughs) that it works super well for that because it statically uh, a traditional animated invisible jet just looks bizarre um And I feel like they've never been able to quite get that, whether it's in the old Super Friends cartoons or, you know, even in this this era uh, of Justice League cartoons, you know, the invisible jet was sort of just it, it just didn't work. And this this appearance of this and the way they use the CGI uh, in that opening shot, I thought was very, very effective and did did a did a great job. Maybe that they didn't have to worry about the texture and making it blend in as much since it's an invisible jet. It's sort of you know transparent, but yeah. uh, I thought th- I thought that that worked really well. Yeah, it's a, it's a cool design. You kind of you still kind of get the feeling that it's this it's kind of javelin esque, but it's obviously been personalized for Wonder Woman, and you get a shot inside the cockpit, and it's kind of all lit up in green. It's a it's it's a really cool. Look- <laughs> as funny as it is to say that about an invisible vehicle, it's a very cool looking. <laughs> uh, 
vehicle. Good visual for the invisible vehicle. <laughs> yeah, and, and just seeing it kind of, you know, fly through the air and then go go underwater and all that stuff. It's 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 a cool visual. I I agree with that. And uh, yeah, there's uh, to to your point. There's probably a, a lot more to say that we're probably forgetting in in the moment. But uh, yeah, just a, a phenomenal phenomenal job all around i thought in the visuals department and that's why in fact i gave visuals and animation a 10 out of 10 oh man i love it i could not disagree with you um it absolutely deserves the complete and total 10 out of 10 all right perfect all right liam uh so so far uh you have given this a perfect score thus far interested to see what comes up as we go through here let's uh let's move on to music um man uh, if i can take just a second here to go on my soapbox and yell (laughs) at at warner and la la land records who are in charge of releasing the soundtracks for these for these shows uh they have released everything on cd uh or uh, and, and CD only, actually, soundtracks for Batman the Animated Series, Superman the Animated Series, Justice League, Mask of the Phantasm, and uh, the Batwoman movie. And I think they did some of the other, maybe Batman Brave and the Bold as well. Uh, but they have not released Batman Beyond or Justice League Unlimited uh, at soundtracks and that is really irritating because this episode <laughs> i feel like has such a great soundtrack i'm going to try and pump in if i can find some clips of the soundtrack itself thankfully uh the battle scenes actually don't contain a lot of back and forth once superman takes over it's a lot of fists and a lot of electric yeah. guitar but i felt like that that really punctuated the scene very well uh, you know after superman does his his sort of you know exasperated yelling at mongol it's a lot of fists and the justice league theme is played uh, mm-hmm. sort of sort of initially triumphantly but then has this twinge of, of minor key to it which you know creates this underlying tension uh what did you think of the music it's uh it's a great it's great the whole the whole episode is, is really strong um, as you mentioned getting some of those twinges of of uh, the just sleek theme all rocked up you hear you hear the wonder woman theme kind of rocked up as she when she first goes after mongol um some of the uh, the soft again we talked about it towards the end there is, as Superman's beating the tar out of, of Mongo and looks up at those statues it, it, kind of, it gets very soft and you just kind of have some soft piano music as he's looking up at the statues and then kind of remembering you know why you know remembering where he comes from and then what he's lost and uh, and then uh, you know, for my money there's two ones and they're both in the Black Mercy fantasies um, one being in the in Batman's, it kind of, and I don't know if it was literally the same notes, but it sounds like they like completely took the Shirley Walker Batman theme and just played it in like a happy high key mm-hmm. during that sequence. And so it's it's weird to hear like this like heroic like happy version or like a sim some of the similar notes, but it kind of. You know, it goes up. I'm I play drums. I don't know musical notes, so I apologize. I'm not. I'm, <laughs> this is not my area of expertise. But to me, it sounded similar. But sort of when 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 it would normally kind of when the theme would normally zig, it kind of zagged in a more in a happier way, which I thought was very clever to kind of represent the idea of, of you know if if that great sorrow hadn't hadn't befallen Bruce Wayne, what uh, what his life could be like. I thought the music was great, and then. In that sequence, which is, um, which we'll talk about even more in voice acting probably is, uh, when Superman is saying goodbye to his son, um, they use the same music from Last Son of Krypton Part 1, where Krypton explodes. Oh, man. Um, And it's great. And it's so emotional, and it was just as emotional then because it, it not only is it emotional in this moment as you're, as you're watching Superman have to say goodbye to this perfect world, but it also harkens back to that that original episode as you watched, you know, the rocket take off and the explosion start, and you know, and, and Jarell and Lara share that last kiss as the as the world explodes around them. I thought that was such a clever. Uh, it was such a great idea to go back to that same theme and kind of reuse it here and recontextualize it here. 
Um, and then, yeah, you, you have sort of your, your rocked up, angry fight music in there as well. So I thought it was just a great job all around. And uh, I, I actually went ahead and I gave music a 10 out of 10. Wow. Um, yeah, I, I also gave it a 10 out of 10. Um, it is, like you said, it's really good. I didn't even make that connection there. And I mean, it's stuff like that that is why, I mean, we're doing this podcast because we are in love with these cartoons, obviously. Um, yes. That's why we've, we've done 102 episodes of this program talking about cartoons. Not all that we've loved, but there's there's things about them that we love and things that we appreciate. And it's stuff like that where the creators of these podcast of these episodes, rather, where the creators of these cartoons have put time and effort and love into it themselves, where they would do something like that, where they would put in a musical cue. Um, and it's not just the the writers, obviously, and the directors, it's the people that are scoring it. It's the people that the voice actors, you know, they all have yes. a love for this, for this universe. And, you know, to come up with an idea is, Hey, let's play the same, same musical notes that, you know, we're back in from, 10 years before this or eight years before this or whatever um, on a, on a completely different show, but to bring you back and, and kind of give you a, I don't know if you, if you're smart enough or you're, or if you are, are listening close enough um, to appreciate that and to, to, to draw a parallel there, man, that like, that's, that's so freaking cool. Yeah. Agreed. Yeah. All right. So 10 out of 10 for both of us from that. And uh, Liam, let's move along to voice acting here. Uh, not a giant cast. Um, you know, we have some more, uh, some additional characters that jumped in due to due to Clark's um, uh, Black Mercy induced fantasy. But um, other than that, it's a, it's a pretty tight knit cast here. As we said, it's the it's the DC Trinity and then uh, Mongol. And uh, what well, let me just allow you to t- introduce our characters. Yeah, well, as, as you mentioned, we have Mongol, who's returning after his appearance in the World World episode, which we have not yet reviewed, but I'm sure we'll get to that someday. But it is the same voice actor from that episode. It is one Eric Roberts, uh, who folks might know from a little movie called The Dark Knight. Yeah. Um, or from being Julia Roberts' brother. Uh, uh, oh, from the killers, the killers Mr. Brightside video? Right. Good call. That's a, that's a deep cut. <laughs> that's one of my favorite music videos of all time. Uh, for those of you who don't know, he's the guy that's playing the lead singer, Brandon Flowers of the Killers in chess. He's the gentleman that ah. is, uh, is playing him in chess there. So, yeah, uh, Eric Roberts, man, he uh, he is the ultimate slime ball. Like he does, mm-hmm. he plays that character incredibly well. And for him to be in this sort of mode where he's taunting uh, both Batman and Wonder Woman, and then ultimately, even after Superman begins to to kick his tail, he's very, very, very much the the, the taunting, slimy, uh, unapologetic villain. So it was a gift. Teleported here from some alien culture, some grateful world, or someone wanting you to think they were grateful. How remarkable. You animals really are almost intelligent, aren't you? That's exactly what happened. Mongol. You recognize me. I'm flattered. I suppose Superman told you all about our previous encounter. You mean how he humiliated you? A jaundiced account. What inferior specimens he surrounds himself with. I took her down before she even knew I was there. And I'll take this planet just as easily. Yeah, he's, you know, he's, when he's sort of mocking, uh, I mean, well, he's, first of all, he, he would be canceled if, <laughs> you know, <laughs> even if he wasn't a, an evil, evil despot bent on, uh, you know. Galaxy-wide uh, destruction, he'd still be canceled because he is very sexist in this episode. Um, first of all, <laughs> no, but uh, and then yeah, as, as you mentioned, he's he's very he's taunting Superman. He's like, oh, I, you know, I think he says it must have been like tearing off your own arm, having to remo- remove, uh, you know, having to leave the the Black Mercy's fantasy and and all that stuff. And he's he's real great. 
I fashioned a prison that you couldn't leave without sacrificing your heart's desire. It must have been like tearing off your own arm. As you mentioned, just being kind of this slimy, taunting guy. But uh, yeah, we have a, a great kind of guest cast around there, as, as you mentioned in the uh, in the flashbacks. We have uh, Josh Hutcherson playing Van L, uh, Superman's would-be son, who folks would know as he was the male lead in the Hunger Games films. Oh, yes. Um, he played Peter? Yes. Okay. Um, obviously, this was quite a bit before that, but uh, yes, he was the... Uh, he was PETA in the Hunger Games, and as I'm, and he's been obviously he's been in a lot of other things, but that's probably his his most famous role. I think he's a good again. It's it's one of those things we've talked about a few times on the show where you can kind of go either way when you're casting for a child role on a cartoon. You can cast an adult doing a a kid voice, or you can actually cast a young actor. And uh, he's he's very good in this episode, especially as we mentioned in, in that in that final scene as Superman says goodbye. Yeah, question sidebar is does the name have any sort of significance that you could come up with? Nothing that I could really think of. Um I, I if there is one uh and we're just not getting it, feel free to tweet us or uh or uh, message us on Instagram. Um Yeah, I was a, I, kind of expecting there to be a, a Jonathan or a, you know a John mm-hmm. Kent, you know, reference cuz that in continuity that is pretty consistently and certainly in present continuity that is Superman's son's name. Obviously this is 14 years ago, so Right. Um you know, present continuity would have no sort of bearing on that. But yeah, interesting that I thought giving him Vanel I was like I was trying to come up with some sort of connection to to, to Superman and I, I could not come up with one. Yeah, I couldn't think of one either. But uh, yeah, either way, uh, Josh Hutchinson does a great job. Uh, we have Christopher McDonald uh, reprising his role as Jor-El from the Shooter. last Krypton Part 1. Yep, Shooter McGavin from uh, Happy Gilmore. The villain from Flubber. Uh, you know, <laughs> his two most famous roles, I think we can all agree. <laughs> Yes, that's a deep cut. Yeah, he does. I think he does. He does a great job. I mean, we, we talked about his performance on uh, during the last on a Krypton, which you can certainly go back and listen to in the archives at DCAUreview.com or wherever you listen to your podcasts. Uh, but uh, I think he does. He does a great job. And it's cool that they went the extra mile there. You know, we were talking about the music, but the fact that they went the extra mile to bring him back in continuity for a bit part that didn't have to be there, but they brought back the same voice actor. Yeah, it's it's a it's a really good idea. And funny that you mentioned. Uh, speaking of Superman's dads, uh, Mike Farrell uh, voices sort of the benign version of Brainiac um, that we see in the uh, in and at the beginning of the the dream sequence. Mm-hmm. Uh, who of course plays Pa Kent in Superman the Animated Series and in fact in Justice League as well. Um, and funnily enough, they did a very clever little easter egg which is at the very end of the scene where Jarrell is talking to superman and he's telling him he needs to let go of the past the very last line instead of being in christopher mcdonald's voice it's in mike farrell's voice as pa kent maybe i've just been working too hard the past is dead focus on the future can we go up to the roof grandpa Somebody wants to see the macroscope. Go on up with your father, Van. I'll be along in a few minutes. Let's go! It's not right. Get out of uh, here, as he t- okay? As, as, yeah, as he tells him, like, I'll, I'll be there shortly or something like that. It's if you yeah, I did not know this until I was doing research today, <laughs> the day we were <laughs> recording this. Uh, so it's if a lot of other people may have missed this as well, but it's such a great little audio Easter egg. And because right after whatever the last the last words Jarrell says, Superman kind of looks back with a confused look on his face. And I just assumed it was him sort of still being conflicted, I guess, right. every other time I'd ever watched the episode. But no, it's. He hears Pop suddenly. Jarrell speaks in Pa Kent's voice. Oh and, man, that's and so great. Hears that, and that's that's the scene that directly precedes uh, Superman going to the roof with his son. 
So that, that was a, a brilliant piece of uh, whoever thought of that. I don't know if that's if that was in the script, if that's a that was an Andrea Romano call. I don't know who thought of that, but my God, what a brilliant idea. Oh my gosh, de- definitely. It was interesting because, uh, you know, I'm watching the credits because uh, I wanted to check to see who did Brainiac's voice or, you know, the, the Brainiac robot's voice and uh, to see if it was a, you know, a voice immodulated Corey Burton or whatever it was. Mm-hmm. And uh, I noticed that Brainiac's voice was not on there, but then there's a, a credit for Pa Kent. And I'm like, well, was there a deleted scene that we missed where Pa Kent right. was, was used? And then they, they, didn't add him to later but that's that's really really interesting wow that's really cool yeah that's that's really i thought was really quite brilliant and then uh yeah that just leaves us to talk about our our regular our main cast who of course we have kevin conroy as batman who again as we mentioned sort of in plot is uh he sort of the, the shown gets to show a little bit of a different side of batman as we mentioned gets to be a little a little desperate a little frantic and uh a smaller role, but you know, I think I think Kevin Conroy does a pretty good job in this episode. Yeah, he's he's fine. Like you said, he he certainly it is sort of out of his his character a little bit, but you can see that as Batman, the Justice League series and Justice League Unlimited has changed the Batman character as a whole. He's certainly not the same character that he was in Batman the animated series, which is good because this is supposed to be some years after that. Yeah. Um, so, so yes, his realization that Mongol could be the threat that, you know, without Superman there, even though they have this entire roster of superheroes, <laughs> this could be, you know, this could be the thing that dooms, dooms planet earth forever um, is, is certainly a, a departure from the Batman character that we're familiar with, but not, out of character based on what we've seen. Yeah, agreed. And, and of course, we have Susan Eisenberg as Wonder Woman, who, as you mentioned, what well, uh, she she uh, she gets knocked around a lot in this episode. But uh, I appreciated her. One, I love the scene at the beginning of the episode where she's kind of busting Batman's chops for giving Superman a terrible gift. <laughs> um, I think that's really fun. The kind of the, the little you know the quippiness, the sort of. Uh, you know, semi-flirtatious, hashtag Wonder Bat, and, uh, you know, sort of, uh, you know, I like being able to hear them have kind of conversations before they spring into action, where you're sort of reminded that these characters have known each other for a while, and that they're, you know, they are, they are, you know, very good friends, and she can kind of, you know, she can kind of bust his chops in a way that, that not a lot of other characters can with Batman. Yeah, she she doesn't have a lot of speaking to do after that. It's a lot of you know exclamation and certainly a lot of uh, you know screaming and grunting and uh, but you know there is there is for for what she does I she she's she's strong she's stoic in the face of of Mongol and and really provides a a sort of steadiness and a lack of panic Batman. Batman's the only one that's sort of panicking. She, I think, recognizes the mission that she has at hand and realizes or has faith that Batman is going to uh, to to prevail over this this plant that's attacked Superman. So, yeah, she's she that stoicness and that sort of even keeledness sort of uh, sort of stands out in this episode. Agreed. And then we have the uh, to wrap up the, our voice acting category. We have, of course, the man of the hour. That's George Newbern as Superman. And this to me, Cal is if it's not George Newbern's best episode of Superman, it's it's got to be in the the top tier. Um, he's phenomenal in this episode. Uh, yeah. Um, I mean, obviously, we have not reviewed the last few episodes of Justice League Unlimited yet. This being only our second episode that we've covered, and I know that he has certainly some heavy lifting to do in the in the Cadmus story arc, uh, but. You know, it's it's. I struggle to think of a better performance that he's put on um, than this episode. Maybe hereafter um, uh, was was equally as stronger, or just a half tick lower. But this 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 is really really good. You know, his his angst, his anger, and that was something. Uh, you know, I I love Tim Daly, and and not to take anything away from Tim Daly, but that edge that Superman has. Um, you know, if he were to sort of take the gloves off, so to speak, I think George Newbern does a does a great job of that balance. Um, and the times in in 
Justice League and Justice League Unlimited, where he's able to sort of to show that um, not vengeful, but that more aggressive side, um, you know, the angry side. Certainly, the the episode with him and Dark Side um, yeah. from Justice League, you know, that those episodes, him being able to show that range of emotion is is really good. And this is another one of those episodes where he gets to do that. Yeah, and it's it's such a wide range of emotions too. You, you talk about the rage he has towards Mongol that we see at the end. Uh, you know, it's 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 fun, and you you hear how happy he is. Uh, you know, when he when he's living kind of his perfect life, and he's got this wonderful family, and he's he's enjoying himself, and all the way through to uh, everything in that scene with him and his son on the roof is uh, is really perfect. That's it. Fight it, Clark. Fight it. Fight it. Dad! Dad! You've got to look at the... What's... What's the matter? Why are you... Van, when you were born, it was the happiest day of my life. When I first saw your beautiful little face, your tiny fingers squeezed my hand so tight, like you never wanted to let go. I've watched every step, every struggle. I've... But Vanna... Rao, help me. But I don't think you're real. I don't think any of this is real. Don't say that, Daddy. Please, you're scaring me. No, no. I don't want to scare you, Van. You are everything I ever wanted in a son. This... This is everything I ever wanted in a life. But I've got responsibilities, Van. And I have to go now. Again, that goes back to visuals and then music as well. Is it all? It all kind of comes together uh, in this in this kind of perfect moment. But his, you know, as he holds his son as the world is blowing up and and, and promises that he'll never forget. It's it's incredibly emotional and it's 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 again we don't I don't think we generally and and obviously we don't need to to harp on on that side of Superman too often because he is such a positive hopeful character and you i don't think you need to portray him as you know mopey or or you know or sad about about what he's lost he's kind of the eternal optimist character and i appreciate that but to see him sort of have this moment because of this sort of jarring experience to kind of just be himself to be reminded of i you know he lost his entire world before he was ever born and he's you know, he's spent his entire life wishing that he could have gotten to know his parents, wishing that he could have had this perfect life, that he could go and retire on a farm somewhere and, and just, you know, be with the love of his life and have a kid and raise a family. And having to give all that up, as we talked about, to go back and, and take the weight of the weight of the, you know, the world back onto his shoulders is it's it's really uh, it's it's really really something special and and George Newbern uh, without without a question I think rises to the occasion here as uh, and he gives a great performance. Yeah, I and I think as as I'm sitting here listening to you describe that I think what that is is and it's not an aspect that we. I think are able to identify just because Superman is so good. Um, but that's, you know, so, you know, the famous saying about Superman is what he's fighting for truth, justice in the American way. Well, that's the justice aspect of that. And that's, yeah. that's when somebody, somebody has been wronged when somebody has been, you know, um, wronged in a way that is, 
unjust he he's going to stand up for them that's what he stands for so for him to stand up for himself in that in that way because he was treated unjustly he was this was something that was robbed of him uh, robbed from him and then in this case you know somebody tried to take advantage of that or or you know to to sort of um you know to to exploit that aspect of 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 his life or you know the 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 life that he never had um that's the justice aspect of that so we don't get to see it very often because usually in that way i think we get to see it with him punching things or you know saving (laughs) saving people from things but for him to actually be able to to administer justice in that way um is is sort of rare i think in these these episodes and and for george newburn to be able to convey that that emotion of uh enacting justice is is certainly uh, a testament to his ability his understanding of this character and the superman and certainly fits right in with the superman character itself absolutely and for all of those reasons my voice score is a 10 out of 10 wow perfect score for that um yeah i i would be remiss oh i think we left one person out on this voice casting list and that oh, would be dana dana delaney dana yes. delaney um, the, the hybrid of i believe in the credits she's referred to as loana um, yes which is quite on the nose but yes she visually as you mentioned uh looks very much like lana lang from superman the animated series and yet she very much speaks speaks in the voice of and has the personality of uh, of Lois Lane from Superman the Animated Series and it's uh, always great to hear uh, Dana Delaney get to come back. Absolutely, the fact that they brought her again, another just just nice little touch by Andrea Romano to bring somebody in. Did could have could have used anybody's voice um, for that character, but of course bringing in Dana Delaney, uh, who's probably on the Mount Rushmore of you know, our Mount Rushmore probably has like ten different people on it as opposed <laughs> to four, uh, but she's definitely in the in the top ten as far as DCAU actors and actresses go. So uh, for that reason, I also gave voice acting a perfect. 10 out of 10 wow yeah all right liam so i I guess it's time to total things up here so uh totaling up my score uh with everything included here i give a final score of 39 out of 40 what about you and i totaling everything up have given this episode a perfect 40 out of 40 Oh man, love it. We are two episodes into Justice League Unlimited and we already have a top pick and a perfect episode uh, from Justice League Unlimited. Man, uh, well deserving. Yeah, and this is, uh, I think for me, this is uh, what, what we call an immaculately perfect episode. Um, yep. We've had, perfect... had one of those before? Yeah, I believe it was you giving it to Jokerfish, perhaps? Uh, I'd have to I'd have to look at that, but yeah, most of the time our perfect scores have been uh, with the help of a of a bonus point or two. But uh, y- either way, um, it's a uh, it's it's a rare a rare feat to get a perfect score, and an even rarer feat still to have a, a perfect score with just our four main categories represented. So yeah, um, I don't even think we need to <laughs> we barely need to touch on rewatchability. Uh, yeah, this is uh, this is great. This is uh, one of the best of of any DCAU show. Wholeheartedly agree with you. Um, yeah, it's it's fun. It's it's not uh, you know it's not a long watch. You get a showcase of some of the best acting, voice acting, some of the best animation. You have your core characters that you know and love with Batman, Superman, and Wonder Woman. So you get the whole trinity there. Um, you get a, a great slimy villain that you just want to see get his butt handed to him, um, and justice is served in the end. And uh, yeah, you you get get a little bit of uh, insight into Superman as a character, and you know his heart, and as you said, a, a look at no matter where Superman is, or whether it's in his dreams, or whether it's in reality, that Superman is just this inherently good guy. So yeah, yeah, it's it's fun. Watch this one. Watch it twice. Watch it three times. <laughs> you know, you you probably won't get sick of it. And uh, yeah. Definitely wholeheartedly agree. Plus the Easter eggs just add a little, little bit of, uh, you know, a little bit of meat to the bone. 
Yeah, much like like we found out today, uh, the more you watch this episode, the you know the the more more things you'll find to like about it. So definitely uh, a thumbs up for rewatchability. Absolutely. All right, Liam. So that will be time to wrap things up then. Uh, thank you, everybody, as we always say, for tuning in. Don't forget to subscribe to us on your favorite podcast app, whether that is Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, or Spotify, or some of those ancillary ones as well. Uh, if you get a second and you have time, please leave us a review on our uh, iTunes or Apple Podcasts or whatever it's called now. It takes a, it takes a couple minutes to, to get logged in there to do that, but it helps us out immensely. Don't forget also, Liam runs our Twitter. Uh, he's on there talking about, uh, he's given previews for ne- you know, the next couple episodes that we're, we're going to be discussing. Uh, Liam, what are we going to be talking about on next week's episode? Yeah, so we're wrapping up this uh, this exciting month of April uh, with one last episode of Justice League Unlimited. And uh, much like with the other Justice League uh, series and with that, uh, with uh, Superman, we're, we won't be going in direct order episode to episode. So we're actually going to jump uh, forward a couple episodes and review the, the episode, which is entitled The Greatest Story Never told a, a booster gold themed episode. So yeah, we alluded uh, that to a little bit last week on last week's episode. So it'd be interesting to uh, to take a look at that one. That's another one that has not been in the rotation too much from my recollection. So be good to get to get a refresher on that one. Uh, also, don't forget to check us out on Instagram. We'll be posting uh, clips from upcoming episodes on there. We also um, have uh, stuff that we post on there weekly, daily almost. We do our Flashback Fridays. Also, don't forget to check out, we have some stickers up for sale now. You can either message us on Instagram or Twitter for that. Uh, just a couple of uh, insider uh, sort of Easter eggs of our own. We have our own <laughs> Dana deserves better sticker that's come out. Uh, yeah, I mean, she really, really does. Uh, you can get your hands <laughs> on one of those. You get the podcast logo. We also have our our uh, complete DCAU uh, homage as well on there. Uh, so you can definitely check that out. Uh, and, uh, yeah, I think that wraps things up, Liam. What do you say? Yeah, I think that'll about wrap us up. Uh, looking forward to one last Justice League Unlimited review next week. And uh, then looking forward from there. Absolutely. Well, until next week, I'm Cal. And I'm Liam. And we'll talk to you on the next episode of the DCAU Review. Bye-bye.